This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 425, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you and Arthur Treachers. We do fish stuff. <laughs> what, really? Hey, Dean, remember the old time vaudeville around 1924? Well, I sure do. With those corny jokes like, can you stand on your head? No, it's too high. Ah, uh, ah, uh, nothing. We better sing. Has she got you know what? All right, seven six five four three two. Hi, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode four hundred twenty-five. My name is Paul the Admiral Montgomery, and joining me are Josh Flanagan, Harumph, and Connor Kilpatrick. I was actually uh, called the Captain in college. Those were my nicknames. Yeah, Josh, you can attest to this. I can. Captain of yeah, what? It's a, it's a good nickname. Captain of of studying. Captain of a ragtag band of nerds. That's Basically, a, that's, that's about right. Very, very that's, little that's, that's no more to elaborate. That was really it. <laughs> we are, of course, iFanboy, and we like comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the best book that they read. We call that the Pick of the Week. Talk about it on this year's podcast, along with various other books and other things that happened and our lives, our feelings. You can start going into that. That's fine. We let's can do get, that. Let's get real. That's how we're stirring this shit. As uncomfortable <laughs> as possible. Um, before we get to the show, quick reminder slash warning. This is a review show, so we're going to be talking about all the books. All the books. Every single book that came out this week in graphic detail, giving away all of the things. This is not a four-hour show. Nothing is safe. So should, if you're worried about that. We expand. We should just oh. start, like, just going for it. I mean, we've been going about ten minutes out. long. I think it's time to really get into it. And if that bothers you, it's time to get real. Yeah. Yeah. Get some perspective. Anyways, this week, the birthday boy, Josh, had the pick. Yeah, I was gifted with a bajillion comic books. So uh, many comic books. I was, I oh, literally, you, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I, I, know, it's, it's, I find myself wanting to complain about it, and then I realize, you sound like an asshole when no, you no, complain well, about it's just, that. It's just, you know, but, it's, it's how funny it is that some weeks there's nothing, and other weeks yeah. there's 25 books. There was literally, it was, I had 25 books, and I'm going to try to say this without sounding like a dilettante. If I had paid for all of these books, that would have been nearly $100. Right. And, and I, I am lucky to be in a position where that I, don't, I don't have that sort of uh, burden to be able to get through all these. Um, but Piracy. That's, that seems unattainable. Unsustainable. Well, I think that's. A, I mean, that's part of the problem. But that's a long discussion. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's bad. I, it's, it's I bad. couldn't help but think that all the time because I wanna. I wanna give everything a shot, especially when I have the pick of the week, and I wanna. I wanna make sure that everything's getting a fair shake and getting a read. But and also, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Like I keep trying to think about God, where do I cut? And I. I can't. It's, yeah, it's hard. hard. Um, which I think is a, a really good testament. In a certain way, I mean, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. There's too many good TV shows, there's too many albums, you know, whatever. Like, it's that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, I ended up, um, it wasn't really much of a contest uh, this week. Uh, when I was done, I thought, you know, the thing I enjoyed the most was Black Science Number 4 from uh, Image Comics, Rick Remender, Matteo Scalera, and uh, Dean White. And Russ Wooten, why not, you know, go all the way? Um, 
basically, uh, you know, I think that every time we've talked about this book, uh, we have liked it more uh, than the issue that came before it. And I'd say that that pattern held true with me. Um, I think I think you've also have, have find out – I've actually noticed his overall trend is that guys who have been working – and I'm kind of talking about writers, but it, it does work for artists too. But a lot of the writers who um, we have known over the course of working at iFanboy who sort of went from unknown guys to bigger guys, it's really fun for me to watch them get a lot better and to watch their storytelling progress and to watch the sort of scope of their work improve and I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about reading Rick Remender's work. I you know I've been a fan of his um for a long time. Uh we we spoke uh endlessly praising Fear Agent when he did that, which is sort of a, a That was precursor. so long ago. That was one of our early I know. early early video shows was interviewing eight, Remender. Eight years ago. At Heroes um, Con. Yeah, or actually six. But either way, um it was a long time ago and it doesn't feel like that, but you can definitely see his uh maturation as a storyteller and I think the way that he's, I can, I can, I, I'm, I feel like when I read this book, when I read his other book, Deadly Class, I, and when I read Captain America, I can hear his voice, um, that he's filtering through in different ways, um, which is really interesting to me because he's a guy who has a very clear voice, a very clear set of values and thoughts, um, and in these very different books from one another, they're all sort of coming through in different ways. Um, what you have with Black Science Four, um, is that thing I was just talking about, but paired with with Mateo Scalera and Dean White who are excellent. I mean, yeah. uh, the, 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 main, the main way that that comes across in this one is this book is basically uh, two parts. Uh, the first part is you are thrown into the battle that started in issue three where you have uh, techno engines, that may be racist, uh, fighting the science heroes, um, and it is just chaos and bedlam and motion. Um, there's all these speed lines, all this, like, uh, this stuff that's very uh, influenced by what feels like manga. Um, and some of the books that Paul has been talking about lately. Um, this what constant... books? Your voice changed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was modulated. Um, and, 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 like, just you, you start off and you're instantly uh, clenched and in this sort you're of... Always uh, clenched. Yeah, very clenched. Always. There's, never, there's, there's, there's pills never in not clenched. Never unclench. Um, you know, the, but instantly, you know, suspenseful and stressed and, and they're trying to get out of this situation and the guy's going to die... And they get to the beacon and flash a white, and then they're in this really nice place. And then, so you immediately decompress in the middle of the issue, um, and you sort of catch up with where all these characters are uh, personally, and you know, within their their own this story and within their characters, which I, I thought was really nice. It actually led me to get I think a better hold on on who these people are one more time. And then at the very end, you're you're stuck with you know like an, another uh, cliffhanger, uh, a hook to get you in the next time. Um, I just thought it, it was. It felt like it moved really fast. It was uh, like a quick hit of uh, of really f- hardcore science fiction uh, with this uh, intense sort of personal edge to it, and, and sort of like high melodrama. Really, it's there's very soap operatic in the way that these characters are built. Um, I, I just love the high manic energy of of it all. In that, even though you, as you mentioned, we get this moment to breathe of the, on this new planet, we find that there are some you know divided loyalties amongst this team of people. Mm-hmm. And people are sort of uh, lining up against each other, so you have to worry about that, as, long, as well as the cliffhanger character that shows up. But I also loved that issue three. We learned about this the character who was sort of the, the muscle. He was the security head. We learned about his family, his history, and he was a badass in the last issue. And he dies in this one. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, no, and that's that's the thing about a comic like this is that I I think like I have no expectations other than the ones that are brought to it from similar genre stories and right. that's it well, other than that you anything could happen yeah and it's just crazy fun sci-fi and well, i assume he's dead i mean he's we don't see him he dies off panel but he's screaming we read comics about, it's you can't, you can't right help i have to i have you to caveat know. that but he could come back without a scalp but um it's just it, and the, the art has a lot to do with that the art's very manic in, in the best possible way i but think it, if this if the it's, if breath, this, it's a breathless comic if it? this were like the late 1600s i think mateo scalera and dean white would be burned at the stake because they're they're doing some sorcery here uh they're doing some magic stuff that clearly mortal should not be allowed to do i love this this aspect of the book even on the just the, the finishing touches of the art whereas you mentioned that that bleed where you get that white page where it almost looks like like a blood swatches or like like blotches of blood, blood spatter. spatter and then even as the book continues 
that carries on. Like, even if you're looking at this intimate scene between these two characters talking to each other and just enjoying a meal, <laughs> I'm yeah. just, I'm laughing at the expression. You get to see a little bit. It's, it's almost like this, this nosebleed aspect of that's sort of kind of what you would experience if you're jumping from reality to reality. Um, it's that kind of breakneck thing and it would probably do a lot of terrible thing to your sinuses. And I just, I, I like that that subtle thing is happening even in all the background. Of, all of Paul's uh, story analysis is, is couched around the idea of what would happen to one's sinuses. We have to, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this is actually a section that we cut out of a lot of shows. Like we'll <laughs> be done talking about a, a certain book and it'll be like, and just, just imagine for a second what's going on in the cavities in Superman's face. And we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I've, I know been, that's- I've been freelancing for Breathe Right Nasal Strips for a little while, <laughs> and it's crossing over into my daily yeah. life. So I really the, felt the- bad about having to cut out the part where he went on and on about how Batman is a metaphor for a mucous membrane. <laughs> and it was really interesting. So just not on topic. And anyway, really it's anyway, so it, it just didn't feel right. It's, it's like, yeah. you, you know, you don't want to cut it, but it, it doesn't go. I have strange uh, fixations. I do. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to quickly point out the, the the pages that white page you're talking about in the very first page. Um, if I'm reading the credits correctly, it says painted art by Dean White. He didn't color the book; he just did those pieces. So those plane, the fighter planes, and the bombs in the first page, and then and I'm assuming it's, that it's a gorgeous grippy page. Yeah, which means yeah. that Scalero's also coloring. That's just stupid. <laughs> and I mean that in it's the not best allowed. possible way. Yeah. yeah, it it it's a really fun sci-fi romp. And I, I think that, I mean, I'm noticing Image is doing more sci-fi, which is cool. Because if you look, think back, Josh, to, uh, and Paul, to also, when we were talking about Dan Dare, you remember that? Yeah. And how we talked about how there wasn't a ton of, like, pure sci-fi in comics. Yeah. There's a lot more of it now, which I, which I like. Can I also just say that I love the name Grant McKay? It's a good it's name. A great it's name. A, it's a perfect sci-fi romp name. It's not, it's funny because, like, if you, if you look, uh, a lot of uh, Remender's titles are derived from punk rock albums, and so I instantly think of Ian MacKay, but I actually think it's spelled differently, of minor threat. It's, anyway. It's probably. I was, I, it has to be, it has to somehow, you know, somewhere connected. I also, I like that through line. It's that same thing where, like, you always, some writers disappear, and some writers couch themselves uh, in, in other clothing as they go through it, and, and Remender never disappears. Which right. is can can either be a strength or a weakness. I, I think it presents it as a strength as long as I guess if you like it. Um, so, I, I just I, I really I loved all the I loved the stuff with the kids are starting to doubt it and my dad's a self obsessed asshole and then the one guy's like no your dad's great and well it's the teenager versus the protege so just the push pull of all of that you all wait the time. Josh you got about <laughs> ten years until until you start becoming a self obsessed asshole in the family I. Way ahead of you. <laughs> Way you gotta ahead. get a head start. Well, I mean, until you're considered. Anyway, the point is, have you met my wife? Black Science is awesome. <laughs> now we had another book that featured time travelers this week, and that was All Star Western 28, which is officially the apparently the 100th issue of Jonah Hex that Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray have done, which is that's insane. Quite, it's quite amazing. I mean, even if you haven't been a fan of this particular run, it's still insane that they've done now, 100 issues of Jonah Hex. I feel like, and, and, and correct me on this, but I feel like Jonah Hex number one was very early in our comic podcasting career. Very, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like first episode maybe? We didn't uh, keep track then, but I remember very specifically talking about it and you telling me I should read it because it was like – Unforgiven. Do you remember like a Lego creation falling on you? That wasn't the first. That wasn't the first episode. Um, <laughs> you, talk, you talk about this, and I'm going to look it up when it came out. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, so that that's significant for us, I think. Um, well, and it's one it's of a, those books is that like Powers, uh, not so much Powers, but uh, Powers was the first pick of the week show we did. It, um, those books have always been there. Yeah, um, and uh, I dropped off a little bit. But I got back on the last few because uh, it really does feel like it used to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they're switching arts, artists around. One of the big draws for me was well, always this was, just this. This was the first issue of this particular run that Mortat didn't draw. Yeah. Um, but it looks like now they're going back to the Old West, which is fantastic and made me very happy. The, 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 the give is that they are taking the girl. I'm like, That's, that can't end well. Okay, so base, let's, let's back it up because the most important okay. – so in the last issue, Jonah Hex has a horrible motorcycle accident. He wakes up in the hospital in this issue. Uh, first of all, also a great cover by, jo- by Darwin Cook. Um, yes. He wakes yeah. up in the hospital in this issue to find that 
not only has he been saved from the accident, but the doctor said, you know, we can fix your face. And they no, did. No, they didn't say it. They did it. And right, by the time I mean, he woke up, he's so pretty again. He takes the bandages off like the Joker in the Batman 89 movie and finds Clint Eastwood underneath there. And Let's see how we did. And he looks, you know, he's he's a whole man again, which freaks him out. And, and of course, because his whole identity has been wrapped up in this, you Not know, his the skin isthmus. Exactly. So then he uh, leaves the hospital, is going to take off again, and then Booster Gold shows up. Booster Gold is the one who brought him to the future in the first place and says, hey, I found a way to get you back home, and I got your clothes and your guns. We're all set. You know, cosmic reboot time, and Joan Hex goes back in time, but his modern-day girlfriend jumps along with him, and so she's she's in for a world of hurt because the Old West is not going to be quite as you know much fun as she thinks it's going to be. So I, I think this could be really interesting. I know it's not the pure Jonah Hex story. The idea of the modern woman living in the Old West is, you know, takes away from that. But I do think that could That's be a, an interesting story. It's going to be a t- it's going to be a tough line uh, to tread in terms of not just making jokes about how she thinks things are gross all the time. Right, which is I possible. Mean, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I think they're aware enough not to do that. But um, well. This is sort of a very Doctor Who conceit, although they'd only yeah. do it for like an episode. Because essentially she's a companion at this point and she is in, you know, an historical. She's not dressed. I mean, if she's she she could have made some more preparations. Josh, Jonah Hex number one came out November 2005, which is the month we started the podcast. Yep. First episode. My God, so. I was still in my little sailor okay. suit, you know. Shut with up. Big lollipop. Shut up. Shut your stupid whore mouth. <laughs> that could that could, have been, that could have been last week, Paul. Let's. <laughs> so I think this is interesting. If you Connor gets like that when he's reading Jonah Hex, don't worry, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's a bleed over. Uh, if you are a fan of Jonah Hex but didn't like the modern stuff, he's now back in the old west. His, I think, the idea that his face is fine now and, and now he doesn't know what to do without his scary image is interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting things they could do here. We'll see if they actually happen. Do you think he's going to be betting on any sporting events or anything like that? Yeah, well, he does have the almanac with him. The one that the bit. almanac, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Did it go back to the 1880s? I don't remember. Butthead. But so, that was also Western 28. Now, I, I kind of think I might have made Aquaman 28 my pick of the week. Interesting. Um, I Because <laughs> I can okay, be really amused by what Jeff Parker is doing in terms – I love the interplay between Aquaman and Mera. I think they're great. I love when he, she, she almost embarrassed him in front of his, his, uh, his soldiers. And I think they have a great – interplay but i did not see the twist coming in the middle where he goes to his high school reunion and runs into all of his old high school pals which i thought now was really this, funny. this right here is exactly um what i was hoping for right when jeff parker came on he brings he has brought a a slight light edge uh to this stuff not that he can't do the superhero stuff because if you read you know the first half of the book he clearly can right but he brings like a like a real life uh, perspective goofiness to it. Yeah, uh, that I, I love. Vera cornering his friend and finding out who he dated. Yeah, like I thought that was all. It was full. Of, it was full of great little human touches in it, which Aquaman can sometimes lack because of. And I'll, I'll, I'll I'll tell you something. Um, one of the things I don't like about this book is that I I'm not a big fan of the Paul Pelletier art. Yeah, it's, it's not that it's it's not. I just it doesn't it doesn't seem to fit for me. It's just not the kind of art that I, I normally like and stuff. But when they got to the – I thought he did a fantastic job with the, the reunion stuff. Like I yes. thought it worked better there. It was more cartoony and acting and, and I thought it was really nice. And all the characters' faces you know, came alive. Um, so that was really cool. Although they, that, that shot of him as a kid running is one of the <laughs> worst panels. Yeah. It, but... It's very bad. There's a very strange panel where uh, a dog is licking his face and – the dog is very frightening looking. Well, dogs are scary. But, uh, you know, there's a couple it's of guys in here that say, they say wicked. It's wicked. It's, you there, know. Were, there, was, there was a slight misusage of wicked <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I feel like I need to be the guy. You need like to I be the, ma- the main quality control? The main, the ma- yeah, the main uh, linguistic consultant, uh, right. I think. There was, like, there was an early one. There was wicked on the first or second page. And there's I was like, that's... Reunion. That's not the correct usage, but the one at the reunion was. Right. Because it was used as, a, as an after. Uh, let's see. I liked, the, I liked the guy from his past who was terrified about his comeuppance and <laughs> imagined bearded Aquaman on the back of some horrible sea creature. 
<laughs> saying, bring, Where bring is him Kevin to me. Bernard? Bring him forth and I will spare you I all. will spare you. And then he doesn't even remember who he was. I mean, that's a reunion for you, right? I mean, you, some, mm. you harbor all these years long, you know, baggage and you get, you, you realize it's, it's, you know, stupid. Yeah, the pers- yeah, really, cause I don't remember anyone. <laughs> the, the persona of, of Aquaman is really interesting. Cause like, yeah, I, th- there's, there are parts in this where he's written a little bit like Thor in his interaction with, you know, mortal, you know, landlubbers. But I think he's playing up that a bit just to, just to freak them out. And that, that's pretty interesting. Because he, he did like, go to high school, and you know, so. Well, there's the there's the there's a couple of different. I'm not sure what because I haven't been reading this all along, and I'm not sure what this Aquaman's exact history is. Because I know a couple of Aquaman's in my time. Yeah. The first one that I became aware of was was when I was in college. It was super grim. Aquaman lost his hand, pissed off. Give it, yeah. Uh, which was funny, but now I'm not, I don't want to read that anymore. Uh, and then there was the then I also think of the JLA Year One, where nobody mm-hmm. can hear him. Right, which was talks, great. Was, right, but that guy clearly wouldn't have gone to high school. Right. Um. So that that's sort of a different one. Um. But I, I yeah, I like that that there's this this guy has an edge sometimes and doesn't in other times. There's a nice. Uh. That's some, there's something. He's fun like about a that. foreign exchange student. There's something <laughs> a little bit exotic about yep. him, but he can still get down with the kids. And he'll play it up. I liked when he you know the guy who was who he you know Kevin had keyed his car and. You know, finally you admit your treachery. Luckily, this is the Atlantean Amnesty Day, so you're, you know, yeah, yeah. Like he plays with. He's it. clearly, yeah, he's clearly playing that up. But uh, I thought this was really fun, and this is a great issue. You could sort of just pick up mm-hmm. if you're curious. There's some other stuff going on, but it's, it's, you know, you can all, all the information's there. I like how he gave douche chill gifts to his girlfriend in high school. <laughs> 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 what are you gonna do? Oh God, it's just Talk- like bad gifts that I gave. Hawkman 15. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hawkman? Hawkeye. I wish it was Hawkman. Hawkeye Pierce. Hawkeye 15. uh, The return of Clint Barton, which I loved, but at the same time I had completely forgotten where we were in the story. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. This book was awesome the last time it came out, and I don't remember when that was. That other book is fine, but I don't want to read that other book. I like that Uh, other book as much as I like this book. But this was more what I wanted to read. I'm just putting it out there. You can All like right. that other book thing. Put out a book I'll called like Kate. I'll like it quietly. All right, sorry. Kate book. Kate P.I. Kate book. Kate guy. I like that. Kate, Kate book. book. There you go. <laughs> See how that does on its own. You know it wouldn't do very well. Um, my favorite thing about this is obviously it's great to have David Aja back. Oh. Um, right. Exactly. Oh. Uh, besides that, I want to watch Clinton Barney hang out and <laughs> not talk directly to each other at all. They're a great team. They oh. really are. I can't believe we have to wait till this far into the book for Barney to show up and... And do a and just do a crossword puzzle. In the I background. love the crossword like, puzzle. Uh, like what's his name in Reservoir Dogs? Toby <laughs> K, Toby Wong, just in the background trying to figure stuff out. Lawrence Although Tier- I mean, the only the only you know iffy moment was was I assume he doesn't have superpowers, right? So when he busts through the window, you know, to, to get the bad guy very much like the Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, he doesn't rip his fingers to shreds. But other than that. Uh, but they make up for great. it that he doesn't. You he has no idea what to use. He doesn't know what to do with a one-liner about throwing the guy out through the window. Yeah, <laughs> he tries to think of something cool to say, and it just isn't happening. Yeah, I threw him off. I threw him off the balcony. Yeah. It was. I thought they were great. They were great. Why and I like villain pants? I, <laughs> just he doesn't have any other pants. I just thought. Did they? Was there an explanation for why he was like halfway through? I was like, why is he wearing them? I don't know. Um... I really wish I could go back and read the last few, and I can. I just don't have the time to go back and read like the last few together again because I feel like I'd be much more into this if I knew what was going on. Also, I mean, let's just—he got shot in the head. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's dead. So the book's assuming, <laughs> the book's over. Apparently. Yes. I, I guess all of our complaints are for naught. Look at that last page. Look how good that page looks. I think David Aja is the best, even better than Jamie McKelvey at drawing people who look real as as of now. In the modern society, uh-huh. you know, this isn't an it's Alan got, Davis drawing everybody who looks like they're in the '70s. This yeah. is it's got, everybody it's, looks and wears clothes that would that you'd see outside right now. But it's still done with like a, a, a sort of a cartoonish, uh, almost impressionistic uh, mm-hmm. realism to it. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of lines. It's just it's no, he's a David Mazzucchelli guy. I mean, yeah. in year one. I mean, that's basically his style, and it's great. Um, so Barney got shot. Clint got an arrow to each temple. I thought Clint got shot in the in the neck. 
Get shot in the neck. Okay. I don't know. Head or neck. I've got the next book up on my iPad, so I don't have that Hawkeye up anymore. I can't look. Uh, yeah, it's not terribly clear. I thought the dude took an arrow in each hand and then smashed either of his, you know, either side of his head with the arrows. What's the sound effect? There's no sound effect. No sound effect. It's all done That'd silently. But if you look, he had an arrow. He did have an arrow in each hand. You're seeing blood on either side of Clint's head. Okay, so that's very cinematic. The, then the arrows, there are two pieces of arrow broken. Pulls the gun out, points it, fires two bullets. They hit Barney in the midsection. They yeah. splatter Spider Woman. He looks up. Maybe he did take an arrow to the head, but then the arrows that are on the ground aren't broken. So the other pieces are in his neck? His temple. Oh, he's looks dead. Like, looks like he shoved Four him in his yeah, He died, yeah. Rest in peace. He's very sad. That's too bad. He's not coming back from that. No. You know what, though? It's, it's, it's honestly fair. He's wearing those dumb glasses. Mm. So he, he deserved it. He's not, he's not in this. I like that a major turning point in this book is that Clint Barton is living there illegally. <laughs> he's not really the owner. He doesn't like... really own that place. And, and Jessica Drew's really upset about that. Yeah. Like, I, I love how every time one of his exes show up, they're just like... <sighs> and they all show up. In this yeah. Thing, so. I was like, God, you're an idiot. Yeah. Wolverine the X Men 42 was Jason Aaron's final issue on the book, which 42 issues is nothing to sneeze at. Especially because he did it in eight months. Right. <laughs> um, it keeps, feels every like... few days, a new issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with our all star cast of artists Nick Bradshaw, Pepe Larraz, Ramon Perez, Sean, Crystal, Steve Sanders, Nuno Alves, Tim Townsend, and Chris Bacillo. Um this was good. I thought the last issue was was more fun in terms of a wrap up. And that was the one with the the two like spy students. Yeah, and they left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great issue. I was also hung up on the idea that somehow in the next ten years Wolverine's going to get really old. Well, he lost his healing factor, but he's got the claws back in this one. He, well, he lost his healing factor. He has it claws. It's just it hurts to pop them. Did he say it takes like several it minutes? It takes several minutes for them to come out. <laughs> that was kind of good. Yeah, so it's like it's sort of like it's it's accelerated his his aging. Um, so so I guess they're 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 gonna have him just get old and die in the next ten years. He um, also, he also loses like two feet. Yeah, like he's very short. Unless Edie's extremely tall. So on this issue, we had the graduation of the first class from the school. So that includes all the characters you've been following, like Edie and uh, the Quinted Choir. Quinted Choir. And then also interspersed with a flash forward in which Wolverine is closing the school down, old man Wolverine, but Edie is still a young 20s girl, so clearly not that long in the future. Um, and uh, Or even if she's young 30s, it's still only about 20 years in the future. Um, but then he decides not to close it down when he gets a bunch of new students from the Fantastic Four. But I, I, it was good. I just thought the last issue was a really good capper. Yeah. So I'd- more like a log. I thought the strongest part of it was, and it was a little overplayed. Maybe was the the you know the um, what's his name Quentin Quire stuff. Really, yeah, like I've never liked him as a character. I know, but like they're coming around to something with it. And when you see when you have the context of what he may or may not become in the future, I think that that's fun. Mm-hmm. Although it's a big change from, I mean, he was like a really bad character at one point. Right, and they've kind of let that go, which is fine. It's it's like it's like Barney from from Hawkeye, you know, like he, he was a straight up bad guy. So you kind of have to you kind of have to you know retell that. Can we get Barney in all the books? If we get that version of Barney, I'm totally cool with yeah. it. Just yeah. in the background, doing um, also I like Dupe's destructive bass solo. I'm cool <laughs> with that. Um, totally a cheap gag, but I'll take it. We haven't seen him in a while. It was fun. <laughs> you don't know how, how awesome his bass solo is. It could be really destructive. So, uh, all, all, all in all, though, a great run, a really impressive run. You know, 42 issues is a, is a good, good chunk. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of Wolverine the X-Men omnibus that comes out. And if it does... There is. That is a thing that exists. Already? It's coming out. Okay. Well, then when it comes out, it's going to be great read. Uh, even with the crossover stuff in the middle, it still was pretty self-contained. So, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I jumped on in the middle and... Uh... I don't know, probably, uh, probably a third of the way through, and I never really lost it. 
Well, a great thing to do will be uh, to check that out via ifmway.com slash Amazon, which will take you to the Amazon store in which you can type in Wolverine the X-Men Omnibus and find that, buy that, and we get a little piece of that sale through Amazon's profits, and it helps us keep the show going, keep the lights on, keep the equipment running smoothly, and we appreciate everyone who does that and does, does it every month. It's really, really great to, to see that. And then also help us directly by going to ifmway.com slash registration, which for $3 a month or $30 a year, you can help us directly. No middleman, just 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 help the show directly out, and we really would appreciate that if you do that. Everyone who helps the show has our favorite people. Everyone else, we like you, just not as much as the other ones. Mm. It's well, nothing, nothing personal. That's true. But some of you are more liked than others. That's all. I don't think that surprises anyone. No. No. Yeah. Uh, Paul, uh, Super, Superman Lois Lane. I was getting excited to see Lois Lane headlining her own book. And I think there were a lot of other people excited about it, too, because they all lined up to draw it. Um, <laughs> there's, there are a lot of artists on this book. And um, let's see. Emanuela Lupacino, Megan Hetrick, Iguara, Diogenes Neves, and just as many inkers. And uh, all written by uh, Marguerite Bennett. And this is cool. Uh, this is a, a, a story about the... The, the very close relationship between Lois and her sister Lucy Lane. And I like that they have their own little language that's just a language shared amongst sisters. You usually have those languages in brackets in the word balloon, and then there's a, a little editor's note somewhere that's, you know, translated from, you know, from Russian or, or whatever language. And this one is just a, a language that they cobbled together because as military brats, they grew up in places like Japan and Germany. And so they came up with their own little language. And this is, you know, sort of how Lois has always been sort of in charge of Lucy and responsible for her. And she gets into some scrapes, Lucy Lane, as you may know. So in this one, she gets in a particularly bad scrape and ends up turning into sort of a monster. And so does her roommate. And I thought this was a, a very ambitious issue for, for being one, you know, solitary issue. I think it would have benefited from being spread out. But yeah, yeah, it was um, ambitious. I don't, I don't think. I think it was too ambitious for a one shot. Yeah, I, th- I, I think, think it was way too, way too many storytelling there's problems. A right? lot of, a lot of things going on. But I just, I like that relationship. And I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll always read a, a Lois Lane book. So I think there's a Lois Lane problem in that she's, an, at least in the Superman books I read, she's a non-factor. Yeah. And so I don't know who her character is, and you, and I hate, or her relationship to Superman because you know she supposedly doesn't really have one. Yeah, and I don't want to couch it into it's because she's not in a relationship with Superman because she has but it's, no, but a relationship to Superman. Like I don't know how yeah, yeah. she relates to him in any right. way. Right, but I mean, like th- if I mean, Clark that, has that's, never really that's... been the Daily Planet for very long, then they don't have that relationship. I mean, just per- professional. You know, I don't, I don't understand it. Right, so that's that's problematic. But the but the other thing is, she's been around as long as Superman has. This is a character with a very long history, so she should be able to stand on her own as her own character. I don't, I don't think of her as a secondary or tertiary character. But she is, though. Uh, it's like Alfred. Alfred's a, she's, a supporting character. I don't think she, she has was, to be. She was right. Well, here's the problem. I think she was created as a damsel in distress. But has been stuck in the middle of her of people trying to make her into something else, and I don't think it's ever been very clear on what that is. Because if she is something else, what does it mean to Superman? I mean, there's ways to do it, but I think that it's been so many things and so many people trying to walk a tightrope with it that uh, it, maybe it's, it's hard to define, especially now, like Connor's saying. But it's something I, I wish could be explored more. That it doesn't have to be defined by her relationship with Superman or or what. Superman gets out of that relationship. You can wish that, but I don't. Th- I mean, yeah, when I mean, you say Lois Lane, the first thing that pops in your mind is character. Superman. Yeah, she's always going to be a supporting character to Superman. So the supporting whereas, character, whereas Wonder Woman is not. Although they're, yeah. they're making Wonder Woman that. Yeah. Er. Okay. Three. Three. Two. Wait, no, just three. Um, this uh, the first issue was my pick of the week, and this was the the last issue, presumably. I think uh, of the Five. three. Of the three, two died, and then two more were added. Um, I just, I thought this was really good all the way through, and I wanted to follow up and just say, you know, if you didn't pick up the series, uh, three from uh, Image Comics, uh, Kieran Gillen, Ryan Kelly, um, and uh, Jordi Belair uh, just did five sort of great issues of a 
a sort of Spartan legend fight, a very scaled down version of the 300 story, uh, exploring what Sparta really is from a slightly more realistic standpoint. A very if you're... Spartan, Spartan story, if you will. Yes. Hmm. Um, um, it was the, 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 the ending of one of the characters was very ignominious. Um, I think this is my favorite issue. Yeah, I just, I was, it was, it was, I just, you know, if, if we talked about it before, we told you what it was, that never changed. It's, it was good all the way through. Um, if you didn't read it, I, I highly recommend you do. It was, it was a great little mini series. And, uh, uh, Karen Gillan is again, is one of those guys that, uh, he's impressing me, um, sort of with every new thing he does. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's getting a lot better with stuff. So, this week we had a two-part. Well, we have, we're having a crossover, and we had the first two parts in Batman, Superman, Eight, and World's Finest Twenty, which I didn't know. So I started reading World's Finest, Finest Twenty first, and I thought, well, where was part one? Because I didn't really look at Batman and Superman yet. So maybe put an editor's note in there. Part one is over in Batman, Superman, and I would have known where to look instead of trying to read it without knowing what was happening. But I went back and read Batman, Superman once I figured it out. And actually, uh, I don't know if you guys read this or not, but J- Jay Lee's back in the book. And there was a really great sort of comedy beat in here. And the story of this issue is Huntress and Power Girl, who are both from Earth 2. They were, they were sent over in the big battle, the boom tube accident. Finally meet up with Batman and Superman, her, Huntress's father in the other world, and Power Girl's cousin. So there was a lot of that um, interaction. But Batman has Huntress in a cage, and she's trying to explain her story. And he just very casually tranks her with a little gun, which I thought was a really hilarious comedy beat. Um, he holds it very casually. He just sort of pops her in the... I, I think laugh. I missed that, but then again, I read 25 books in right. about three hours. Yeah, so go back and look at that. I mean, it's a uh, the first part. You know, this great Jay Lee art. There's a great, there's so a bunch of great battle sequences in here. So that's why I didn't know what was going on. Why? Because, this is part one. Oh, this is part one. Yeah. Then I'm really confused. I, I well, think we, they like, they we, they punchers found Bat, Batman at the end of a World's Finest issue. So just uh, just assume that she broke into the Batcave, and that's where this starts. And she's a she's a Earth two character. Like I just felt like I. Or you can just skip the skip the crossover and get the. I was reading part two of something that I never read part one of. So it's fun. I I really liked it. I thought the art was really great. Um, I thought there was a great you know the scene where Superman rescues the dog that almost gets shot by Power Girl's heat vision was was wonderful. Um, just gorgeous looking book. I thought I like the story. I like World's Finest, and I can't really explain why. I think the characters are really endearing. But I'm always I, on the I, verge of dropping it. Yeah, you know, the most interesting thing about this, I thought, was was Superman and, and Power Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the part that, that sort of stuck with me on this. But I don't know; it sort of existed. I I didn't know, I didn't know what was framing it. I guess. You have the issue open. <clears throat> yeah, I do. Go to page two, three. Page three. You'll see uh, past the double page spread. You'll see the little comedy beat where he. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I just love the way he's holding the gun. <laughs> Yeah, it's like blink. It's, it's it's a dainty hold. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. So I, I enjoyed those. <clears throat> the I wake. Like, I like the dog that he yeah. saved. The wake so number six is, is the jump forward issue. Yeah, Part this two. is the this is the real world building way more than 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 the previous one. And I thought it was um, it was impressive because it felt it felt like a a bigger a uh, different direction for I guess from some of the stuff that we've seen Scott Snyder write. Mm-hmm. Like it was much more like a sci-fi and, and sort of world building and, and imaginative rather than just straight up creepy. So for anyone who hasn't been reading The Wake, it's this this portion takes place far in the future and it's sort of like Waterworld, but awesome. <laughs> um, but it doesn't have Dennis Hopper, so how awesome can it be? Well, <laughs> Why you can, are these you people can... living on the coast? Because that's where the water is. Hmm. And I like that the place is called like Walton, like Wall Town. Yeah. And yeah. you could get really obnoxious with that kind of stuff with like creating a new language yeah. and a lot of slang. And he doesn't go overboard with that. Um, but if you back, up, back up and... further is in that the last issue, the sea creatures sort of won the battle. Yeah. Right. They killed all the people we've been following. They took over the, the sub uh, the substation, underwater substation. And then it jumped forward to the future in which mankind has been flooded. The, co- the, the, the sea creatures melted the ice caps, flooded the coasts, and uh, now mankind's living in sort you know, fighting these sea creatures constantly. Now, I, I, have, a, I have a spoiler uh, <clears throat> question, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the character at the the reveal at the end, the cliffhanger. Yes. The doctor uh, person there. Lee Archer. Is he from the original group? That's the girl. That's that's the the scientist from. Okay, I I don't know. The woman who had heard the the sound. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So she's apparently still alive in the bottom of the ocean. I'm very old. And I, I, I just, I'm at the bottom of the sea, and I wish someone would come down. Yeah, I don't know. I'm quite I don't know. hungry. <laughs> How did Breaking Bad end? I, I don't know if that's, but that could also just be like an echo, like a recording or something. I don't know. I don't know what that that's is. Um, I think, I think it's, we'll have to see in the next issue, but. Um, I thought this well, was really cool be, and a cool it, jump. It's got to be alive because she says, I'm a, I can tell you how to save the world. And I don't know if she would know the world needed saving if she was. Well, she was on the radio at the end of her mm-hmm. issue. And so that's I don't true. know if that's just, I, I could be totally true. wrong. I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have all the information. So, but also I like the idea that the, the new protagonist is sort of going around and she collects myrrh heads and she yeah. sells them. And we know from the previous arc that, they cr- they could sort of um, hypnotize people. So they're like drugs. With these glands, and so yeah, they have these like in their cheeks. They have um, this stuff they can use for tincture to um, to get high on. And I was like, that's kind of a, that's really cool. That's a it's a cool use of of something that was it served one purpose in part one, and now in part two, how would people make use of that? For and what? everyone is yeah, everyone is always <laughs> looking for a way to get high, even in the future. So well, it sucks. It's, it's a pretty awful <laughs> it's like, life. Yeah. It's, it's it's so wet. It's real bad. Except it's not wet in the right way. Why is everything wet? Um, there's creatures. Not all this water, yeah. but we're very thirsty. I, and I living like, in a plane that's stuck up in a tree. Yeah, it's a plane from like Tailspin. I like that. And I, and I, <laughs> and I like that there's a. I, I, it's always cool when you see the map of North America and all the different territories and stuff. And like up in Canada is apparently like Kashyyyk. I like her. I like her Cobra glider. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. It's, it's all it's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the next up would be Chew number forty, and I just wanted to bring this up. I think because we haven't talked about Chew in a while, it's a book that suffers from uh, very good itis. It's just always very good, pretty good. Um, and this is the end of a sort of longish arc um, that that's been set up where uh, everything is explained to Tony. Uh, but in a very sort of offbeat, interesting way. Um, and I thought it was funny because um, they have him eat something that is hallucinogenic, and then he, his partner also eats it, and they, they don't mince words. They just say they're really freaking high. And so from that <laughs> issue, from that point of the issue on, Tony is some sort of rabbit, and <laughs> his buddy, who also has a bite of the, of the intergalactic plan, is a, you know, like a fox wily coyote type figure um they, and they attack the wrong place entirely but they find out that it was a it was a pillow factory that was using chicken feathers and it was a huge uh bust and uh it was just funny it was a, it was a good entertaining issue and we haven't mentioned it in a while um so they're, they're still doing their thing and it's good okay i checked out uh <laughs> whoa sorry i checked out Josh was high there. <laughs> no I've, I've been trying to hold that in the whole time there's a button on your microphone Called mute, and you hit it, and then you cough. I read Tomb Raider number one from Dark Horse Comics. Um, there have been many Tomb Raider comics previously, um, but this is the one. It's a, it serves as a, a direct sequel to last year's sort of reboot of the of the video game franchise. Um, and this one's written by Gail Simone with art by Nicholas Daniel Selma. The art reminds me a little bit of like the Luna Brothers. Um, mixed with like a Piagera kind of look. It's a really nice, bold line, really vibrant colors, very light. And this is the, if you played the video game and killed a bunch of dudes with that with that axe uh, last year, as I did, you will enjoy this because this is this is the fallout of her being of, of Lara being one of the only survivors of an exposition expo, exposition expedition to an island uh, off the, in the uh, Dragon's tri- uh, Triangle, it's called, off the coast of Japan. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people died, and she meets them again in a dream sequence in the beginning. And, I, you know, we don't usually like dream sequences, but I like this one because she's talking to a dude, and his neck is completely snapped, so his head is lolling over the side. And one guy is just on fire the entire time because he died in flames. Um, so she's obviously has some survivor's guilt, and... 
Um, she's still clinging on to the relationships uh, with the people who did survive with her and escape that island. Um, and so this is sort of the continuation of Lara Croft year one. And I like that quite a bit. It was a really interesting character. And, and they they took her in, in a really cool direction from sort of the sex bomb sort of thing that she was in the previous franchises. So that's Tomb Raider number one from Dark Horse. Cool. All right. Those are the, some of the books. There were so many books that so came many. out this week that we want to talk about. Let's do an audience question. Uh, Matt from Omaha, Nebraska writes and says, last month, I read in the back matter of Marvel's FF that Tom Brevoort is leaving his post as editor of the Fantastic Four book after 13 years. And Stephen Wacker, editor of my favorite Marvel books like Daredevil, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and Hawkeye, is also leaving. Would you care to predict what changes a new editor might bring to an ongoing series? Really, what's the, what's the, what's the importance of the editor in, this, in the process? Editors get a bad rap. Editors always get a bad rap. Yeah. I, I mean, the worst, I think, they're, they're almost like the... The colorists or letterers in the in like people don't necessarily um, recognize their contribution to a book, but I think that the difference here is that the it depends on the editor, the company, the book, uh, all of that stuff can vary. I think so. There's not really an answer, um, like a like a like a, a a single answer about what it is, but I think I, I think there's definitely such thing as a good editor. But what that means really depends on the on the project, uh, from what I understand. Um, and if you look back, you know, you just mentioned a couple. Um, you know, Steve Wacker, for all intents and purposes, has a string of hits uh, under him. And and one of the things I think that you can tell from looking at his body of work over the years, I first became aware of him on um, uh, Fifty Two. Yes, and he was the guy who made that happen. And that's what all the guys, you know, that's what Grant Morrison, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, and Greg Rucka said that he was the guy who made that happen. Literally, they brought in Michael Siglane because um, Wacker left halfway through. But all the, you know, all the pieces were set in motion. Um, I, anyway, one of the things I think you can, you can say about Steve Wacker is that he has a good ability to pair talent with projects mm-hmm. and also attract talent. Um, you know, he's the guy who um, did daredevil with with mark wade and and uh you know chris somni and um who marcus is uh, martin. marcus martin to, uh, to begin with you know he he put those teams together and set up a a certain kind of book that that he somehow knew people would want you know he's got he had a really good eye for that stuff um and, and as such he's he's moving up moving on in the world um i think i think uh you, you know the first editors that i became aware of and uh, would have been not editors, but the first time that made a difference was Marvel Knights. Uh, when Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti went and formed the, they said, "Let us do these books out out of house at Marvel," and they came in and they did what became, you know, basically did Vertigo books as Marvel books. Um, this is a template <clears throat> for the future of Marvel. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like the template for Marvel, Marvel is now. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten a, it's changed around a little bit. What I think is interesting though is that Axel Alonso is now in charge of Marvel. Axel Alonso came from Vertigo. Axel Alonso was the editor on Preacher. Like I want I want that I, like that occurred to me when I was reading Preacher recently that you know the guy who who shepherded that project along is in charge of Marvel now, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really interesting. I think that 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 says something about. Um, what editors bring to the table, and I think the thing is they don't they don't do a lot of interviews. They don't they aren't often the personality that you see. Wacker is a little bit of a, a difference, but even so, you know he's a wacky personality. He doesn't really talk about what he does that often. Um, and because of that, the the process is a little bit um, opaque. I guess well, the editor should be invisible. It's like a mm-hmm. like a score in a film. But I think you know, they're very important uh, to the oh, process. Oh, extremely important. But they could not be. People can get by without them. A lot of the image books don't have editors per se. They might have a guy who keeps the you know puts all the, the pages well, together. The trafficking and, editor, yeah. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. Um, but they can exist in all sorts of different ways, um, and some people benefit from it. Some people don't need it. Um, and, and it's hard to really blanketly answer the question because, from what I've talked to people about, and I'm not an expert. Is you know every creator is a different relationship with every editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they work together differently. So you could say this guy might come in and change everything, or he might not change anything, or he might. He might have a different vision of the of your book that you like, or he might think the book's going running great and not do anything about there's, it. I mean, there's so many different variables in that question what? that you have to you, have, you sort of have to key into a specific like what do you think this relationship is going to be like? And 
And also, we have no way of knowing that because we don't know what their. I, mean, I know of an editor who supposedly rewrote every script, you know, that came in, and I know an editor who doesn't heard of those editors. Who doesn't touch a single word of a script that comes in? It's all different depending on. The I know book. editors who who have blamed the creators for all the problems that happened, which you know, like that weren't true. You know, those are sort of bad examples. But you know, I know other they know when to get involved and when not to. That's what it, I think. That's what a good editor is, more than anything. And then there's you know, there's the cases of certain companies have have uh, levels of editors, and the guy <laughs> who's the the top editor is going to say things, and the people who are the lower editors are going to have to do that thing. Right. Um, I, you know, I think there's no discounting that Tom Brevoort has some mojo. Right. You know, if you look at what he has has been a party to and what he's been part of for such a long time, you know, that guy was was tailor made to be a Marvel editor for a certain period in time with a certain kind of creator. Um, and I think you've seen a lot of good come from that. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, we could expound on this forever because it's mostly a, a hypothetical of right. stuff that we can't tell you. So. <laughs> That's I mean editors are important and necessarily fear an editor change in your favorite book. I would not worry about it unless it actually happens because it may not happen. If your favorite book's really good and it's doing well and an editor comes on, the smartest thing that editor can do is nothing. I can't imagine any editor coming in and changing what what uh, Matt Fraction and David Aja are doing in Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. It becomes a different book. So yeah. the editor of Fantastic Four is Mark Panasica. Panacea. Panicha. Panicha. See, four different ways we could say that name. That guy's been around for a while. He, you know what's funny is that uh, I've talked to him a little bit. He's a guy that, like, I think I was going to interview him once. He goes, oh, no, 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 I don't want to interview him. Like, he, yeah. he wants to be in the background. He wants to stay. You know, there are other editors, you know, that, that don't. <laughs> that definitely, <laughs> uh, they, they, you know, they want to be writers. Mark Wade was an editor. Yeah, uh, a lot before, of guys. He, before he was a writer. Um, you know, it used to be, I don't think it's so much the case anymore, but that used to be a way to break in. It is to a certain extent. Um. God, they can do all sorts of different Peter things. Peter J. Tomasi was an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, all, guys go back and forth too. Like, cause, you know, Palmiotti was a creator, then an editor, then creator again. Yeah. He's had, Kisada, every, he's, he's had Kisada, every job. Casada goes in, gets high enough where he doesn't go back to being a creator. I mean, just, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It turned out Casada was a, was a very good executive. He was better yeah. than he was in anything. Um, my favorite thing that Palmiotti ever did is inking. I think he's a fantastic inker. I could just, yeah. That's what I always think of. All right, so a bunch of you can email us at contact.fanboy.com or call our voicemail line 888-FANBOY-3262-697. Let's, in the quickly remaining time we have, let's talk about uh, some of the things that happened this week in comics. One, uh, let's do them in quick, quick fashion. One, uh, Marvel announced they're filming all of their Netflix shows on location in New York. That's cool. Which is That's very cool. Awesome. Just, just in time for Daredevil to move to San Francisco in the comics. Right. <laughs> right. That's not uh, going to so matter. That's oh, yeah, going to be fair, yeah. <laughs> If they get Daredevil comic book numbers on the TV show, the TV show will be a big, big failure. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I think that it'll add to the flavor of the, of the entire thing, which mm-hmm. is nice. That's great. Um, I'm very excited about those. They, uh, Warner Brothers and uh, the CW revealed their first picture of the Flash costume for the upcoming Flash pilot uh, for the Hopeful Flash series, which is a spinoff from Arrow. And he's got that goddamn stupid chin strap from the comics but other than that i thought it looked pretty cool i thought it looks exactly what you would expect it to look like yeah you know in that sort of hard leather right it fits very much in the arrow world um people were, some people were complaining that they didn't he didn't have the ears coming off like john wesley ship's character's costume had in the night in the 90s but hard weather but hard leather by the way is the name of my independent film series <laughs> it may not be for everyone i'll, I'll admit <laughs> hard leather <laughs> God, do you remember? I don't know. I'm not going to talk I, about well, it. I, want, I really want to know what you were going to say. Yeah. I just do you remember in college when we had our our senior um, video screening where we showed all of our senior projects and and that one guy played the fifth like the 15 minute hard metal documentary that that cleared the entire auditorium out. I do remember that. It was right before mine went. Exactly. You and I came right, you and I came right after that. So we had no audience for our our senior videos because I, the hard. In metal, retrospect, for me, that was best. <laughs> the hard metal. <laughs> yeah, yours didn't have audio. I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's your great. audio was screwed up. I remember we we ran down and pressed a bunch of random buttons and nothing worked. And we ran away. Uh, so the other third bit of news, which I thought was probably the most exciting, was that Scotty Young is doing Rocket Raccoon, uh, an ongoing series at Marvel. And uh, you know, for a character I have zero interest in, Scotty Young will get me to pick that up. You have zero I, interest in Rocket Raccoon? He's so much fun. I have zero interest in. Him. I have no. Oh, you never even read never... Guardians of the Galaxy, did you? No. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah, thing I, I've ever read like him Star in is Star Wars. Kurt. 
I'm not saying it's bad. I have zero interest in him. I've got very little experience. The only he's experience like Chewbacca, but a raccoon. I don't but think that's the. It's not personality. No, it's wrong completely. It's like <laughs> get off. If Lando Calrissian was Chewbacca, and there was a little bit of Jawa in there, this is this is bar none the worst writing you've ever done. It is. <laughs> I'm very bad I, I mean, at improv. Like the, the thing about this book is, uh, duh. I mean, what like. Right. Like it was it, it's like when uh it's like when when Jeff Johns said what if there were different rings and everyone didn't go that's amazing they went oh duh why didn't anybody do that. Right. And I think when you put Scotty Young on this book you like all I thought was oh he's going to make so much money. <laughs> like they're going to sell they're going to sell so many of these if this movie, you know, is is popular. Did I, did I read it's an all ages book? It's I, no, it's got some attitude to it. Okay. He said he's right. not going full Marvel Knights Rocket Raccoon. You won't see any, you know, raccoon balls or anything. That that's an actual thing he said. <laughs> I um, don't see raccoon balls. Good. <laughs> there's a there's a Miyazaki or a not a Miyazaki a, a Studio Ghibli movie for that if you were so inclined. Um, um, I don't know any of the words that just I'm came sorry. out. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. I But I think – Listen, I think, if we're going to talk about what happened in college, you have the right to talk. Yes. Your I think it's – like no, but I agree that it's a it's a master stroke, and I think that, the, that it's a perfect you know pairing of creator and character. And um, I talked to him about it a little bit, and it's he's going to have a Looney Tunes vibe to it. Where, you know, awesome. lots of explosions and lots of fun. It's uh, his – we meet Rocket Raccoon's uh, ex-girlfriends who are not too happy with him, and they're they're basically going after him. So like a again, we're back to the raccoon balls. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. I'm look. I'm you know I'm looking forward to the Netflix shows. I'm looking forward to the Flash series. Should it actually happen? And I'm looking forward to this record. It's going to happen. You 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 never know. I do. You never know. What the Flash series? Yeah. Probably Arrow, Arrow's a big hit, but you know you never know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Scotty Young, great transition, Paul. Into your, you had another talk splo- uh, book explode out this week. I did yeah, we time. talked. We talked about Akira. This is um, volumes three and four. Last month we talked about volumes one and two. Uh, next month we will talk about volumes five and six. And of course, we're still talking about Justified and True Detective each week on Fuzzy Typewriter. So check those out as well. Thanks. Well, head over to ifanboy.com, comment on this show. There was tons of books that came out we didn't get to talk about, so you can feel free to talk about those in the comments, and we will. Uh, we will converse with you about them. And uh, also head over to twitter.com slash ifanboy to follow us to find out what the book of the week or the pick of the week is bef- uh, before we do the show. Also at facebook.com slash ifanboy, you can find that out as well. Uh, you could email us at uh, contact at ifanboy.com. Really good email this week, I thought. Um, we'll always take more of those. If you've been thinking about sending in an email or, or, or giving in the voicemail, it's a great time to do it. Um, uh, you can call 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Um, and we would we would love for your participation to be part of the show. Uh, that often sparks a lot of a really interesting conversations that uh, that I always like a lot about the show and let us sort of explore other things. Uh, so please do that if you've been thinking about it. Um, and keep it up. You should um, go to iTunes and do your first review since that time you reviewed that back album and say that we're great. Um, tell people that we exist. It's my plaintive yawp. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just made up for whatever it was you said before. That was the worst thing you ever said. Yeah. Was you brought in yawp and that's, that just warms my They say up. weird things like yawp on this show. Listen. What show? <laughs> oh, this show. Right? Yeah, he's, doing, he's, he's doing a review. I'm doing a my review. My part in the ending was over, so I had to check that already mentally. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. You know how it goes. You know what I watched? What I watched Rush, I did too. Uh, I'm actually only halfway through it because my wife Rush is fantastic. I wouldn't have ever known about it or watched it if you hadn't talked about it on the year end podcast. Is what I'm getting to. Also, I'm uncomfortable with how good looking Chris Hemsworth is, (laughs) (laughs) and I know that this is a theme that we keep coming back to. And maybe it's the nature of the kind of movies that we end up talking about on here because they're superhero movies. But he's He's preternaturally good looking. I like that. And the, the thing is, like, even though you see mostly just his eyes when he's wearing the, the, the helmet, his eyes are captivating. Yeah. And yeah. it's really he takes the hard. Helmet off, and he's got the hair. And then and then he goes into the hospital and he takes his shirt off. And even though he's bleeding, I'm like, it's a, that man's very in shape. And look, the lady from Game of Thrones is sleeping with him already. That's <laughs> what must that be like? I like that you think you know who the bad guy is, but then the bad guy turns out to be Rain. 
Rain is the bad guy. It's a great Darth Vader origin story. Much better than the prequels. Yeah. Um, it's so a yeah. really, really good movie. Really underrated movie. It's a little, it's a little rushed. <laughs> That's not a joke. I'm suspending you for one week from the show for that. That wasn't a pun. It was a little. I couldn't think of a better word. That's what came out. Like I would, I could, I could have hung around a little longer, but I get why you didn't. Anyway, that's that's. Uh, sometimes Josh you have a little extra time. Movies. Josh is the movies, everybody. I like I like watching movies six months later. What's wrong with that? So in six months you can do your own uh, year at podcast. Oh, so I saw Gravity. Did you enjoy yeah. that? It's I, it's my vote for all of the Oscar things. I like watching your progress watching movies six months later. I really enjoyed when you Facebook watched uh, Pacific Rim, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, he's really digging it. And at the end, you're like, that was fine. I was like, you son of a bitch. I was. I was, I was so it was, excited. It was more fun live live Facebooking it. Uh, yeah. Than yeah. maybe just watching it on its own. Best movie of 2013. I can see why you would think Pacific that. Pacific Rim, Frozen, and that other one. <laughs> that could just be anything. <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I was trying to think of something else that I want. What's the other one? Oh,